Gabriel Jesus. Dug out the cross. And Lars will take the lead. Granit Xhaka on what might well be his final appearance at the Emirates in an Arsenal shirt. Oh, what a day. What a season and what a man, Granit Xhaka. Welcome to the post-match space on Latte Firm. Slightly later than normal, but it does mark the end of another Barclays Premier League season. And Arsenal have finished second in what will be an extraordinary sort of journey for us all as Arsenal fans. I'm sure you've all taken away moments that you'll cherish for the rest of your Arsenal supporting days. What a season it's been, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Um... A glorious day yesterday, Arsenal beating Wolves by five goals to nil. A perfect send-off for the boys, for the coach, for the fans, and maybe that man, Granit Xhaka. If you were at the game, uh, if you were watching at home with your friends and family, or just out and about and enjoying it all and taking it all in, request the mic and have your say. We will talk about the season, we'll talk about the match itself, uh, we'll look ahead to the summer. There's going to be lots of content over the summer, I'm sure, about who comes in and who do we need to sell and player scouting videos and all that sort of stuff. But today is about yesterday. Today is about celebrating what's been, I think, a really encouraging and positive season for Arsenal. So I want to get all your thoughts. Uh, welcome to the post-match space on Latte Firm. First up, co-host, it's Wayne. Wayne, how are you, man? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you doing? Did you uh, rest well after our post-celebration Nando's yesterday? It was, yeah, it was I great did. to finally have dinner with you, man. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice to see you, man. Obviously, grab a bite to eat, trying to convert you lot to the Lemon and Herb FC. But uh, no, it was lovely. It was lovely. It was a lovely day. A gorgeous, gorgeous day in terms of weather. The place was rocking. Atmosphere was great. Performance was great. And it was just a nice way to cap off what I think has been a really encouraging season. How have you woken up today? Feeling good about yeah. it all? All good, man. It was, it's so, it's obviously disappointing in the context of stuff, but yesterday in isolation, it, it just felt like a real party. Uh, it was, the weather was beautiful, the Emirates was in full voice, like that. Despite everything that's happened, that's one of the best atmospheres this season, and we've had so, so many, but um, it was fantastic. I was, I was surprised at how strong we went, but I'm sure we'll talk things like line up. Ooh, Wayne, I don't know, don't know if I've lost you for a bit there, but uh, no, you're right. It was uh, it was a it was a jubilant sort of mood. I think it was the sort of atmosphere and support and chanting that the team needed. There was a real feel good factor around the place, and despite falling short in what could have been the most incredible title win this season, uh, it was a nice way to send the players and the manager off into the summer because they have given us an extraordinary season with so many amazing moments. I'm sure people will come on. In fact. Let's do that. Every caller that comes on, I want to hear your favourite moment of the season. I'm sure we're going to get lots of Reese Nelson shouts, but if there's anything else that stands out to, in, in mind, uh, let me know your thoughts. Tell us what and why and how. And uh, yeah, let's look back on the season with some fondness. But before we go to our callers, I can see some very familiar people in the profile pictures. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Do request the mic. Come and have your say. Let us know what you thought of the season. Let us know what you thought of yesterday's performance and day in general. And let us know what your feelings are ahead of this long summer. And it's going to be a long summer. 74 days until the Premier League season starts. Uh, 15 or 16 days until the transfer window opens. 
I think the Premier League fixtures are announced shortly thereafter. And 93 days until the Champions League draw. That's right. The Champions League is back at the Emirates. Uh, before we go to our callers, let's bring up our next co-host. That is, of course, Gav, who is at SheWar. Uh, Gavinho, welcome to the show. Yeah, morning. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm perky. I feel, I feel, do you know what? Ever since sort of losing at the Etihad uh, in the league game, I feel like I've had closure. I feel like I've had time to reflect and to ponder. I know we had some really, really disappointing results in those draws after that game where we could have won it, where we could have maybe, you know, really sort of fought back to City. But I've had time to digest and to reflect. And yesterday was just a bloody marvellous day. You? Yeah, no, to be honest with you, I feel like a kind of... I mean, I watched indoors yesterday, really, uh, with the family and all that. And uh, uh, it was a great game. The atmosphere sounded cracking. You know, everyone I spoke to said, like, you know, all the the various establishments were absolutely bouncing yesterday. And, you know, it was, uh, like I say, good to see various mass groups of people, you know, in their selfies and all that and having pictures inside and outside various establishments and all that. But... I don't know, I just felt a little bit sort of flat afterwards. It was sort of like, oh, well, no, now we've got no football for two months. And it was kind of like a relief in a way as well that the season was over because it was sort of like, yeah, the ups and downs and the will we, the won't we, and the way we sort of towed off, it was just sort of like, right, now let's kind of celebrate what the club have achieved this year. Let's celebrate and like be proud of, how well they've actually done over a full 38-game season uh, to get second place. Uh, only five points behind Man City. Who knows whether Man City would have got picked up extra points if they'd gone full strength the last couple of games. Uh, I guess it's down to us they didn't have to. Uh, but the fact, you know, we wasn't just sneaking second. We were second by a country mile. Uh, we, you know, Tottenham, Chelsea, absolute miles behind us. Uh, so yeah, I kind of woke up this morning feeling a bit sort of happy and refreshed, really. Like happy that it's over, happy with what the team have achieved, and feeling really, really confident that if they get this summer right, then this is just the start of things. It's not like the end of one season's title push. Uh, this should be like the start of good things to come for for many years now, really. Yeah, and I think that mustn't be forgotten, Gav. It has been a great season. We've had a great rise, a great journey. Obviously, petered out in the end with uh, just desperate sadness. But we found ourselves in a title race unexpectedly. Um, You know, I think before the start of the season, Mikel said in his post-match conference yesterday, the objective was to get the Champions League. But of course, your expectations move as the season progresses. And we feel disappointed that we sort of missed out. And now is the time for him to get away with his wife and kids for a few days and to visualise, that was the word he used, to visualise what the next step is going to be and how he can take this group of boys to the next level. I mean, it's a scary thought because we're five points off a team that is going for the treble, uh, of course. They are a juggernaut, Manchester City. Um, but it's a really, really good place to be. And, and like you say, Gav, I mean, look, it's a long way until the next season. Of course it is. You know, it's going to be a long summer. There are no tournaments, international tournaments. To be honest, I think all of us need a bit of a break. I think the players need a bit of a break. <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of speculation about who comes in, who goes out. And we will go again, of course, Gav. Um, just sticking with you, Gav, I mean, yesterday... It was nice to obviously get the win. It was good to, to, to sort of lay it down like that. Wolves were almost the perfect opposition for that. Um, what did you make of the game? 
It's kind of like what an end of season dead rubber should look like. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, we, we could have won. If that scoreline was 8 or 9 nil, you couldn't really bat, bat an eyelid. Uh, Wolves just weren't up for it. They really, really weren't up for it. They were on the beach. Uh, our players wanted to put in a performance. Uh, I guess almost to reward everybody that's been following them all season. I think they almost felt like, you know, we owe them to go out on a good performance and on a bit of a high. And they certainly did that. But it was just one of those games. It was, there was, there was nothing in it for either side, really, apart from a bit of pride. And Wolves didn't really, really show any of that, did they, really? Uh, like I say, absolutely gutted when uh, Shaka uh, swung his leg and he's, he's just spat it out wide when he was on like a first half hat trick. I mean, that just would have been the most weirdest, amazing hat trick in a first half that you'd ever see. Do you know what I mean? But it it was fun. You know I mean? It was fun to watch and you could tell it was fun in the ground to watch as well. And you're not going to get many of them in the season. That That is just a typical end of season game, I thought, mate, you? Yeah, exactly that. It, it felt um, almost like a carnival, just a really good day out. Um, you know, the, like I said, the weather was glorious. Mikel went strong with his team, which surprised me. I think a lot of people thought that he'd maybe make some last cast changes, give a few players their sort of last appearances. But it was a great day out. And just on Granite Xhaka, let's go to Wayne. Yeah, Granite Xhaka's number one fan. Uh, look, 297 games for Arsenal over a seven-year spell with the club. Um, Ever-present, always gave his best, left everything on the pitch can't really fault him for his own sort of flaws in the game, but he's he's largely been part of dis- dysfunctional teams, you know, towards the end of Arsene Wenger's days, obviously during Unai Emery's reign, but he's come in and he's done a wonderful job. And, and I guess my biggest regret, uh, the biggest sort of sadness is that he doesn't go away with that redemption arc completed, you know, with a Premier League winner's medal around his neck, because that would have been so sweet. But overall, Wayne, thoughts on Granite? Uh, I don't know if I agreed that. He he doesn't have it completed. I think the reaction that he got when he came off the pitch yesterday will probably say that he did have he did complete it, and at least on the individual level. And I think that the one maybe regret for for a lot of the fans yesterday was that he was subbed off as part of a double substitution, so it was like a little bit. It, not diluted, but it maybe didn't get as much of the attention as it, it might have done if he was brought off by himself in like the 88th minute or something like that. But um, no, I think to leave after the season he's given us, it, it, it feels like the right time. I don't think he's the only one. I think it needs to be a really ruthless summer this year um, with a load of people going that may not necessarily be able to push us up to the next level. But I think that the service he gave us this season was fantastic. It was brilliant that if this was to be his last home game, he managed to score two quick goals and he disappointed you by not scoring at your end, which I thought was amazing. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, but I'm just I'm just glad that uh, your shirt was stained with tears when he was doing his uh, post-match, post-match walk. Oh man, it was it was a sad moment. And listen, uh, everybody uh, listening, I did catch the match ball during the game, and I gave it a kiss. 
so there is a connection there. Granite Xhaka scored with that goal. I gave the ball a kiss. It's almost like poetry. Uh, but listen, thanks very much for your opening comments, uh, Gav and Wayne. Really love that. If you're tuning into the post-match space here on Latte Firm for the first time, do drop Latte Firm a follow. If you're too shy to get involved and request the mic, do tweet at Latte Firm, of course, and we will read out uh, some of our favourite messages. I can see Colleen's requested the mic. I can see Gas has requested the mic. I think, Gas, you were first up to request, so we will go to you. Usual suspects in the house, James, Wally, Yembele, El Boogie, Mike, Mr. Creme Brulee, Albrecht, I can see, fan of the channel as well. Do request the mic. Come and have your say and let us know what you thought of Arsenal and what your thoughts are generally about the season and the summer ahead. Right, first up, it's Gas. Gas, welcome to the post-match phone-in. If you'd be kind enough to unmute yourself, what would you like to say? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you for the, the opportunity. For me, the best moment was beating Manchester United at Emirates. It was a very, very good game and it it will live with me for a long time because whenever the fixture is out, I always watch, watch out for when we're going to play Manchester United because they are the two biggest clubs and all my friends are from Manchester United. And that game was so, so good. So overall this season... I can say I gave the season like a seven because the reason why I said seven because all our objective and, and, and purpose going to the season was top four finish and maybe a trophy. That was Mikel's plan. That was everybody. We never thought about going for a title challenge or trying to be. So for us to be in so good how this season, we can't take that away from the boys. We have been so good since the starting of August. Till from pre-season, it's not all about August, from pre-season until, the, until April, we are so, so good. The boys give their best, everything. It was just that we run out of fuel, we run out of gas, and uh, it leads us to, what, to, to where we are now. But that is not a failure. People are saying, oh, failure, failure, failure. It's because of before we, we, we are fighting for fourth, we are fighting for oh, top four, top four, we need Champions League. It's been six years we have not been to the Champions League. And... Definitely now we made it to Champions League and we are so sad. You see teams like 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 Newcastle, you see teams like Brighton, you see teams like Aston Villa, they are celebrating. Everyone is chanting because of the they qualify for the Champions League and the Europa and the Conference League. And for us, Arsenal, for the first time in six years we were in the top four, we are sad about it. That shows us how improved we are. That shows us how how good good we 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 are we are going to the next level it's disappointing end to the season yeah because we all know we can do it we should have won the league but things happen and it's already happened it's already in the past now we just have to focus let the boys go out to a few breaks they feel themselves like Bukayo Sakai need a proper proper summer I need an holiday I need a Dubai trip or whosoever wherever I want to go chill out, relax, Mikel need to go to the taxi, tactics box, uh, board, try to figure out what were the reasons why we fall short. Try to bring in players that supposed to, to, to push us go through because we have some deadwoods in the squad that's supposed to go. I was even surprised about Jaka because he was not even in, in the list of player leaving. It's coming from out of the blues, but fair play, he gave us his best season. I don't think he will, he will ever play much football in any other team like he does for, like he already did for Arsenal. And look, Bring on the next season. We are waiting. We 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 pick ourselves from fifth, missing out to the top four to second. We can these boys can also pick themselves from second position and getting there to the to, to challenge Manchester City and the Champions League. There are so many players in this team that have never experienced Champions League football. I can guess it's only like five players. The the the, the maybe the Odegaard, the Jesus, the Sinchenko, and Thomas Partey and Jorginho. These are the only players that have played Champions League. The rest have never stepped their foot in Champions League football. 
So it's going to be electric. It's going to be so much experience for this for these players, and I can't wait to see it. That's all. It, it, it really will. We really appreciate that call, Gas. What an opening call. So much to look forward to about Champions League football, the inexperience of the boys and how this season is going to be great for them. Um, but of course, uh, talking also about rating the season 7 out of 10 uh, and looking at the other fans uh, of other clubs celebrating finishing in the top four, whereas we're obviously sad as an Arsenal fan base to finish runners-up. Uh, Gav, Wayne, before we go to our next caller, who will was going to be Colleen, but it's going to be Yembele. Favourite moments of the season? Now, I suspect a lot of people are going to mention Reese Nelson, but feel free to fill your boots. Uh, first up with Gas, and he said Eddie Nketiah's winner against Man United. It's, it's difficult to disagree. Well, it's easy for you to disagree with that, isn't it? Obviously, obviously. <laughs> um, my favourite... I've got quite a few. My favourite moments of the season, obviously, Xhaka leaving. That's top one. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, so harsh. Uh, I think, for me, the three main... Hi, I'm gonna. I'm not going to include the Nelson one, because I think everyone will say the Nelson one, and that's it. That's the easy route out, because that was just fantastic. So I'll, I'll leave that one to, to others. I think... My three standout moments were the game against Leicester at home very early on in the season, where it was it was we conceded some dumb goals in that game, but you could see just how good we were from that early stage. And the fact that Brendan Rodgers was in charge and everyone had had been speaking previously about Leicester replacing us as a big six team and blah 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 blah. And we battered them. We absolutely battered him. And Jesus showed us like the glimpse of just what was to come. And it's a shame that he got injured um, throughout the course of the season. That's definitely up there as one of my highlights. Um, the North London Forever at the uh, first home game after the World Cup against West Ham. I thought that that was memorable because obviously World Cup had been and gone. And we'd missed Arsenal for about four, five, six weeks. And it was so great to be back at the Emirates. And I think it was on a boxing day and it was late at night and everyone was just up for it. And and I think that that atmosphere <clears throat> really will stick with me. But I think my main, main favourite moment of the season has to be Mikel Arteta chasing Granit Xhaka after the victory to, to make sure that he didn't get himself in any trouble. And that memorable moment of him walking away like with Zinchenko or Jorginho, whoever it was, and realising that Granit Jack has been let loose and the meme of him turning around and sprinting back to go grab Jack Granit, I think that is my standout moment of the season just because of how brilliant it was. It kind of just sums up Granit Xhaka's whole time at Arsenal. Yeah, and presumably that, that was the, the North London derby, right? The, the post-match away at Spurs when everyone's celebrating and Miguel's yeah, going to turn and yeah. thought, oh, fog. Yeah. <laughs> Jack has gone on, off a, on a mad one when Ramsdale was kicked. Nice moments there, Wayne. Nice moments. Gav, let's turn to you. Favourite moment of the season? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, Tottenham away. Uh, Villa away, the goal at the end of Villa away. Uh, the one that really got me uh, jumping around like a lunatic was obviously the Nelson goal. Uh, off the pitch though favourite moments uh, Saka signing a new contract uh, and what was that there's a, somebody done a video of it and the ref sort of like played with his arms as, as if to say right play on play on and Arteta's took the mickey out of him on the side of the uh, on the touchline pulling a funny face 
Yeah, that was it, that, I think that was at Villa Park, I think, when uh, the ref brought the ball back because he thought it was rolling and Arteta yeah. gave the most sarcastic sort of, yeah, 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 the ball's rolling. Yeah, of course it is, sort of dance jiggle, which became a really popular meme. Oh, don't, yeah, no, that, that's funny. Uh, obviously, the fact now that, you know, there is an anthem for the club. Uh, we're happy for, uh, for Lewis uh, Dunford. Uh, it's just after the club tried to force that bloody Elvis song on us for years, which no matter how much they tried was just completely wrong from the very, very start. Uh, yeah, it, it just seems like it's just getting a better, better atmosphere in there uh, inside the ground and everything. Do you know what I mean? So just every everything apart from the complete ticket shambles has been a, has been a positive this season and it's been absolutely brilliant. It really has. Uh, right, let's move through some of the callers. Uh, if you just hang on, no, 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 no. Not doing this. Hold on, hold on. You're not doing this again. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me you're going to be you're you're an Elvis fan, Wayne. No, no, no I'm not talking about that. I'll, he's running away from giving us his favourite moments again. Oh, every Nothing time. Responsibility every time. Every time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you're joining for the first time, Wayne always does this. He always catches uh, catches me for not answering my own questions. Uh, for me, it's the obvious one. It is the Reese Nelson last gasp winner against Bournemouth. Uh, that is a moment that will live with me for the rest of my days. It is something that just uh, encapsulates everything that, that that might have been this season. You know, the stage of the season that we were at to go two nil down. Ben White party to knock on that door and smash it down. And then Reese Nelson, the corner kick comes in 97th minute pandemonium at the Emirates. I mean, I've experienced some wonderful moments in my life, right? I'm, I'm much older than many people tuning into this show. Um, the days and nights at Highbury, days and nights at the Emirates. But uh, that particular fixture, and I don't really care that it means nothing now. Uh, a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, Arsenal fans, they gave it so big, Reese Nelson, and for what? But that moment in isolation, being in that ground with that community of 60-odd thousand Arsenal fans, hugging the life out of dear strangers, you know, starting row two, finishing row 11. I must have been upside down at one point as well, I'm sure. Like, for me, that's just, you know, and then like leaving the stadium, chest out. Like, it just felt, it felt like such a pivotal moment. And, of course, I'm madly heartbroken that it didn't lead to anything. But the moment in isolation, I will never forget for a very, very long time. So... Reese Nelson, uh, my boy, what a oh, what a moment that was! It's just truly sensational. So that's my favourite moment, chaps. Um, let's move on to our next caller, who is Yembele, who joined us yesterday for the post-match Nando's and uh, so many shows this season on Latte Firm YouTube. Yembele, welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're not bad, man. We're not bad. It's nice to hear your dulcet tones. How do you feel this morning, Yem? The season's come and gone. 5-0 winners yesterday, finishing second. Sum it up for us. It, it's an interesting one. I think we all said it yesterday when we were out for our meal. Um, game was good. The actual day was beautiful. You know, it was a beautiful game. I thought, you know, we didn't put a foot wrong. We were energetic. We created loads of chances. But, you know, every question afterwards was, what if? It's just... Uh, it. it you know, we have to appreciate a fantastic season, but what if? It's always that question, what if, if we'd done this? You know, we were having an, you know, you guys were having an argument post-match, the post-match about, you know, the five points you and Wally, you know, oh, we lost five points, where did we lose it? You know, all that kind of stuff. It's, 
it's just tinged with a little bit of regret that we couldn't push it to the end. But we can't take away from, you know, absolutely how how spectacular this season is and what this team has done for us. You know, the noise yesterday at the post-match speeches was amazing. Loved it. The atmosphere has ramped up so much and I loved it. it. It's been such a good season. You know, we've been to been to the Emirates where it's been, you know, a bit poisonous, the atmosphere. It's been quiet. It's been dull. Definitely not this season. You know, it's been fantastic. Can't Can't praise the fans enough. Yeah, Billy, you mentioned there that Wally and I obviously arguing. I mean, when are we not? Um, I can see him listening in the chat. I can, I can imagine him grinning as well. He's my my Bengali brother. Um, but no, you, you mentioned the sort of five-point sort of uh, deficit to Manchester City. Where do you think we lost it this season? Like, where? what was a turning moment for you? Was there a result or a fixture in particular that you think, actually, had we have won that or that moment, had we have gone through that phase that we could have won those games, we might have won it? I think Liverpool. I think we were 2 nil up at Liverpool and I think we were, you know, the, the changes made no sense. There's also moments as well in that match, you know, Martinelli not getting the ball through to Saka. It just felt like a pivotal moment where if we had been Liverpool, I think we would have had the confidence to go on. We would have, I think we would have beaten West Ham, Southampton. I think we would have gone up a level because you're taking, talking about, despite what Liverpool are, what they are this season, they are still a big player and, and to go to Anfield, which we rarely do. And to win there, I think would have given a, an extra level of confidence. I just feel that Liverpool result was just the wrong one, the wrong time. And we could have won it. Uh, but even, even after that, yeah, we had a chance, you know, West Ham two nil away. We were two nil up after about 12 minutes. We conceded two, of course, and Bukayo, ah, oh, Bukayo oh no. missing that penalty. And then the Southampton game at home, you know, the Ramsdale early pass, 3-3. Three, three. I know Trossard hit the bar late on, but, you know, that that, that right there, an additional four points. Uh, Wally obviously uh, linked us to, towards you to beat your rivals at least once a season. You know, had, we, had we won against them at the Emirates, maybe that would have made all the difference. But for you, it was the Anfield game. Yeah, I, I just think, I take your point on board about the you know, the West Ham, Southampton, and they were, you know, the mistake, Southampton sh- should never have happened. We should have beaten them quite comfortably and we made, we've made stupid mistakes. Let's call it that. It's silly, stupid, silly mistakes that unfortunately have compounded our season. I, I will also say injuries have unfortunately had a turn. You know, we, we are not a Man City as we've all, we're all very aware. You know, we are, we are, you know, when we get a key injury to Saliba, for example, we, and then we had Tommy Essu out. It, it compounds our issues. You know, we we can't do what Man City do and just bring in a raft of players who are of, you know, similar quality. So, you know, it, it it's again, it's just a realisation of the level we're at. We are, as you said, Pfizer and I, I've said on the channel many a time, we're going up against a bunch of cheaters. That's the game. Until the Premier League do something, we have to, you know, abide by it and we all have to push hard. And I know we will push hard. It's just that, that Liverpool game for me just felt like oh, we could, if we'd won that one, it would have given the momentum. I think it just would have set some momentum for us that we would have been confident against West Ham. You know, once they came back into it, I think our confidence just sapped away and we just looked lethargic. West Ham pushed us. We shouldn't. We should have beaten them. It, 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 it's just those little bits at the end. I think the, the final third of the season, unfortunately, was too much for us. You, you mentioned uh, Manchester City, of course, the financial doping, hence your reference to them being cheaters. To Mikel's credit, he's not obviously mentioned that once. I know he was part of the coaching setup before he joined Arsenal, but he's not used that as an excuse. 
what he said in his post-match conference yesterday was, look, that's the level, that's the benchmark. Manchester City are setting targets now, 90-plus points every year. I have to now go away on holiday with my family, and I want to come back, and I'm going to visualise what it is that we need to do to take these boys to the next level. And I guess looking to the summer, yeah, uh, we, we all, we've all speculated long and hard about the types of players and who you might want to sort of see in at the Emirates, but maybe give us a couple of names. But think about positions. I mean, what would you like to see Mikel and Edu go out and do this summer? I think the midfield is a very key area because it's not... So let me state this. I would have loved Granite Xhaka to stay. The reason is, is that he is still a quality player. Yesterday just showed how how much he has come back and he is still a quality player. He's a big player for us. And I'm actually disappointed that he's leaving. We need to add to the squad in the midfield, not take away from it. So my my the, the primary area for me is the midfield because I think as well, party's too injury prone. Whether or not he's dropped in form, I don't know if that's an injury or not or if it's something else. But the first half of the season, he was unbelievable. He was the midfielder. He was the best midfielder in the league. So I, I can't see it being that bad a drop-off. But you want to add to that. And I want to add to that with quality. I want the Declan Rice's. Declan Rice would be... I think everyone here on this phone call will always say the first target this year is Declan Rice. And I think we will be very disappointed if it doesn't happen because he undoubtedly has the quality in the midfield. He's got the ceiling. He's still got a level to go up. And I think Mikel can take him there. But he's got all the attributes to really fill the hole that we need to you know, go up a level and help us in the Champions League. But I do want another midfielder. I don't know who it is in that midfield. You know, we've talked about Kaiseida. We've talked about other players. You know, we do need a level above because El Nene, all due respect, Lokonga, even Vieira at the moment is not, it doesn't do it for me. In the Champions League next year, potentially going up against, you know, uh, Barcelona's, Bayern Munich's, Real Madrid's, etc. Will we currently have that competition level? No, because it's it, it's clear, you know, when our midfield has issues, we can't change it around enough. We've brought in stagnant midfielders, weak midfielders. So that's the primary area. But I would also say, and this is really, you know, I know I'm going to get slated for this. I actually thought Jesus, despite scoring a goal yesterday, he had so many chances and didn't, you know, take it on. And I don't understand it. And I get, I, I start to worry that we need those. We need that kind of striker that when you're still not playing well, that your striker will get you that goal out of nothing. We've had those strikers before. I just don't feel that with Jesus. I just don't see it. I think he works really hard. I love his work rate, but I don't see the the killer instinct like a Haaland, like a you know you know one of those strikers who gets a goal out of nothing. Like Ed, look, Eddie's scored a few goals like that, and it's that kind of now it's in the box that that. You know, hitting the shot crisply to get good technique. You know, I don't see it from Jesus. And he had so many good opportunities. He was in so many good positions where, you know, you and me yesterday were saying, shoot, 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 come on. And he just kept taking an extra touch, extra touch, extra touch. And then he lost the ball. He should have had a hat trick yesterday yeah. for me. Yeah, there, there, was, there was there was a couple, like I say, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know how, how much you take notice. I know I. I know I, I get more out of watching a game at home than I do inside the ground because I, I get too wrapped up in atmospheres and side grounds and I do actually paying attention to what's going on in the game. Uh, but, I mean, there was a, a, a couple of spells where uh, Trossard was in the middle yeah. uh, and Jesus was sort of playing out on the left a few times, which I can see happening. But, I mean, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, what we've got to look at from this season is Arteta made the fewest amount of changes 
to the starting lineup than anybody else in the division. Uh, that was because he knows he's got a core of players. Mm. And the changes were generally when Jesus was injured uh, and when Saliba was injured. Uh, they're the main changes um, when Party was injured as well. They're the main changes that we made all season. That of the 34 changes to a starting 11, they will probably amount for possibly about 20, 25 of those 34 changes, which means he's not too confident in the players that we've got underneath. Um, and I do completely agree with you. I mean, Jesus, just, he's not got that, he's not got that killer instinct exactly. to want to score goals. And it's, you can have all the technique in, in the world, but unless you've got that inner greed and that inner killer instinct, and I mean, like I say, we're, we're talking about players like, Robbie Fowler, yeah. uh, Ian Wright, uh, even that Muppet at Middlesex. Uh, do you know what I mean? The, it's the, the first thing they do when they get the ball is, is can I score from it's here? That, you know, you probably saw it, Gav, on, on, when you're watching on TV. He gets in so many good positions. You know, when you're just slightly outside the box to the left or the right and you say, put your foot through it, just go for it. It doesn't matter if you, if you don't score, but at least you're having a shot on target and the goalkeeper can flap at it, etc. Just have the shot. He's got... Sometimes he has a crisp technique, but sometimes he, he just doesn't have the... It's a player, you can see, Gav, who doesn't have any confidence in his striking ability for whatever reason. I don't know what's happened. I, th- I think, yeah, I want to come in there. A couple of things. I kind of agree with you that I'd like to see Gabriel Jesus uh, shoot more on sight. I think there are, there are times in his game where he's so all about the link-up, he's so all about the team that... You know, when he's got a chance, maybe a sort of fifty percent chance of scoring a goal with his left peg, he just he refuses to do it. I also think that there's a there's a need there for a player that can take the game by the scruff mm. of the neck and produce a moment. Like so, you know, obviously the benchmark is Thierry Henry. The team could be doing so badly, but you get the ball out to him, he just goes, he takes on a couple of players into the box, long shot, whatever it is, and just gets something out of nothing. Bukayo Saka does that. Gabby Martinelli could do that. But for me, Gabriel Jesus, I agree with you, probably doesn't. I think Jesus is the perfect player for that sort of, you know, one-touch, two-touch passing, neat sort of build-up, intricate play in the box. And he'll always find the back of the net. I get that. But what he does for the team when he's out wide, out left, out out right, that's when it kind of costs us. Uh, Yeah, just before you leave us and before we bring Wally into the chat, um, your favourite moment of the season? Because, you know, I've had the pleasure of, well... You've had the pleasure of standing next to me and Wally this season. Please, please. <laughs> I've had the pleasure. I've had the pleasure of, of listening to you moan pretty much every game. Um, but there, there must. Be, I mean, there have been some extraordinary moments this season. Which is which is your favourite? Oh, it has to be Reese Nelson. Uh, do you know why? Because do you know we all have this moment when we when we watch football. You know that moment where time just stands slows down, and you're like. And when he struck the ball, it went in. The time just stood still for me. You know, it just went slow down for me. And I was like, what the hell? And the noise after that was unbelievable. And, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was just one of those time slowing down moments that I, I, I remember so vividly that he came out to him, to his left foot, then his right, and he shot. And I was like, what the... And the noise was just... It, it will stay with me forever. I, I, I think as a moment, that was the one. As a... As a moment that represents our season, beating Tottenham twice. You know, if you look at that in, in terms of how the last couple of seasons have gone, last year Tottenham absolutely battered us at the Tottenham ground. This year it wasn't even a contest. It wasn't even a contest. So it you know, there's two moments, you know, one is, you know, that kind of personal moment where I felt it was moving so slowly that it was like a wow moment, but as a statement. 
beating Tottenham twice convincingly. I love that, yeah, Bele. Thank you so much for joining us on today's post-match phone-in, uh, post-season phone-in. Uh, Wayne Gav, I want to come to you first before we go to Wally. Yem touched on his summer reinforcements. Um, again, without listing the obvious sort of names, I know everyone's going to mention Declan Rice, but what sort of player profile, what sort of positions would you address in the squad? Gav, let's start with you. Um, you know, Mikel's got to do a bit of fine-tuning. He needs to get in just that extra talent that's going to take us to that next level. Who might that be? What positions would you like to see him reinforce, Gav? Yeah, no, I mean, firstly, anybody who thinks that Arteta's going away for three or four days with his family without his mobile phone and without thinking about football is off their rocker, mate. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the only thing that's changing with Arteta for the next couple of days is his location. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, I actually read an interesting tweet, and I don't know whether the person was doing it, just for sort of like clicks and hits or, or whatever. But when I sort of got thinking about it, it almost made sense. It, uh, I do think we need a right back who can invert the same way as uh, Shinchenko can do on the left. And somebody said, oh, that's a, that's you know, someone who would actually be quite good at that will be like Casado or whatever, however you pronounce it from Brighton. Uh so, I mean, that's an interesting one because, you know, he's the sort of player we need, a player in the squad who can play two or three positions to a very, very high standard uh, and can cut in. And it's almost like you're buying two players in one with a purchase like that. Uh, obviously, like Yem, uh, it's all out for Declan Rice, mate. I mean, I'll be waiting for him on his plane back from Prague or wherever that... Uh, European final West Ham are in and uh, you know, just give them the money. They, let's not mess about. If they're saying we want 100 million, just say, right, here's 100 million. Let, let's just get this done. It, it, it's got to be done. I mean, I, I've, I haven't felt this strongly about wanting a player at Arsenal probably since linking Charlie Nicholas. Uh, it, it, we've just got to do whatever it takes and spend whatever it takes to get that one done. Uh, so, yeah, a right back that can invert. Also, we'll see that freeze up the Ben White to cover up the right side of centre-back or indeed, you know, to move forward, further into midfield himself at some stages as well. Uh, and a centre-forward. Uh, the, the, they they would be the three main positions where I'd want players that are not oven-ready like uh, we got in January this year. Uh, with Trossard, who I believe has got nine or ten assists this year for us, which is amazing considering the amount of minutes he's actually played. Uh, and obviously, uh, Jorginho, uh, both have them ready, both, you know, with hindsight now, very, very good squad additions. But this summer, we need three players that are constantly going to be there, constantly going to be battling to be first choice are going to be the sort of players that Arteta's going to have headaches over, uh, you know, for the Champions League games, for, you know, home and away against Man City, home and away against Tottenham, you know. We, we, we just need them three players that are not having ready their first choice ready. Yeah, I appreciate that. Wayne, just before I come to you, let's listen to what Mikel had to say about Arsenal becoming the real deal yesterday on BBC. It's been a, a really emotional year, a, a very special season, and um, 
and the team deserved and and the, our people deserved to end it in a in a good way so i'm really happy i don't know obviously we wanted to bring the club back to champions league that was the the main target you know and that was already a a big demand uh, especially in the summer before we did certain things and we before we managed to to keep some of our players and then the journey starts day by day you start to to have a feeling um, the team is moving in the right direction the spirit the energy is good you start to win again two three and you start to generate some some belief obviously um we didn't expect to finish where where we are i think is the the third best ever record for in the history of the club in terms of points, the most wins ever um, is a lot, but it's still not enough to win it. <laughs> so we understand where the level is and uh, and if we really want to be the real deal, we not have to be happy with what we have and we have to be next season much, much better. We have to be next season much, much better to be the real deal. Wayne, uh, on that note, what's your summer transfer activity looking like? It's going to have to be really, really ruthless, I think, this summer. I think, um, as silly as this might sound, the easy part is going from 8th to 5th and then 5th to 2nd. That's the easy part done. The difficult part is now going from 2nd to 1st. And I think we now need to put ourselves in a position where, all right, this squad of this squad of players has managed to get us this far. If you, if you don't look like you're capable of getting us to above Man City, we got to look to start replacing and upgrading and, and we got to look to start being as ruthless as possible this summer. I think for me, my biggest, biggest problem with this squad is in midfield. And if we have a certain budget, I would like for us to rejig and re-sort of calibrate our whole midfield because I don't think we're physical enough in that area at the minute. I think we've got a Thomas Party player who on his day is fantastic, but I just I'd no longer want to rely on the unreliable. And when it comes to the end of season, Thomas Party is always unreliable for us, whether it's a fitness thing, whether it's an injury thing, whether it's a performance thing. You just can't rely on him when it comes to key parts of the season. He just kinda goes missing. Granite Jacques is obviously probably leaving. I think it's the right time. But let's not take away from the fact that we now need to find someone in that position who he Granite Jacques has scored what nine goals this season in the league? Eight goals. We need to replicate that level of of output. We have to get somebody that can come in and contribute with goals and contribute with assists. And this is under the assumption that that Erdegaard. Are you right? There, I'm just thinking rice, rice, baby, mate. That was all. Fair enough. That's under the assumption that Erdegaard scores 10 to 15 goals again next year and Saka scores at the level he's, he, he's scored at this year. And same with Martinelli. We need a midfielder that can come in and contribute with goals. Um, we need someone who... Can, we need physical midfielders who can run. Like When you think of our midfield right now, Jorginho can't run. I think he's going to be more useful in European games and Premier League games next year because I think in Europe, the tempo is a lot sort of slower and I think he can dictate a little bit more. But in the Premier League, it's so basketball-paced, back and forth, that even though you need an element of control on the ball, you need that physicality to get back when you do lose it so that you don't get countered. Um, Thomas Party, like I said, is unreliable. Xhaka's leaving. El Nenny, we don't know when he'll be back or if he'll be back. And I just... The likes of Lokonga, I don't think will play a game for us again. 
or if he does, it'll probably be like in, in pre-season or something like that. So I think the majority of our budget needs to go on the midfield. And I think for me, I'd be looking at a winger who can give Saka some time to breathe. I hope we sign Reese Nelson to a new contract. But I love Reese Nelson from that left-hand side. So if we've got Nelson and Martinelli as that left-hand side option, I feel like we need someone that can give Saka that rest. And Nelson can do it. It just limits him a little bit on that right-hand side, in my opinion. Emil Smith-Rowe, I don't really know about his future. Fabio Vieira is not a right winger for me, so that wouldn't be a realistic option. Um, and that, for me, would be the biggest biggest needs after midfield. Somebody who can who can come in and, and not really drop major, major quality if Saka needs a breather. Yeah, look, I mean, everyone's going to say the same thing in terms of midfield. We all know that Thomas Partey just unfortunately goes missing at the worst times. Uh, Granit Xhaka, of course, looks like he's going to be on his way off, although Mikel did play that down maybe to kind of secure a bit of a bit of a fee. El Neni's injured for the foreseeable. I, I'm, going to go, I'm going to agree with both of you. I think the engine room it needs a lot of work. And midfield-wise, we, we need athleticism, dynamism, mobility. We need, you know, uh, sort of physically robust players. And Declan Rice is a lot of that. He's a great ball carrier, physically very strong. Um, I love the fact that he's obviously a, you know, a young British guy uh, playing in, in, in an English league. I love that. And I think he's been you know, educated the right way. West Ham Academy is fabulous and, and Declan Rice is a top, top player and he's just got so much more to achieve. Moises Caicedo, obviously, uh, Gav pointed out to the fact that he can play that inverted right-back position. Again, done it dusted in the in you know he's, he's proved done sort of he's proved himself in the Premier League he's acclimatized to the Premier League he's much younger so and he's got a great great ceiling if we could get both I mean I'd forgive the club almost for not doing anything else because I think Caicedo could address that right back position and Declan Rice would just elevate us massively in midfield and if if Arteta can somehow get a tune out of Emil Smith Rowe uh, Reese Nelson, if he signs, like you say, Wayne, he can gov- give us that cover on that on in, in sort of wide positions. Maybe Gabriel Jesus can play out to the right if Martinelli gets a, a run of games up top, or maybe even Eddie Nketiah. Who knows? Right, let's go to our next speaker. It is going to be Wally. Welcome, Wally. Um, obviously, another one. Uh, we were at the game. We, you've been you've been to pretty much every game this season, home and away. Uh, first up, Wally, how do you feel about the season? Now that it's over, we have finished second. We did give the boys an almighty send-off yesterday. Where are you sort of, where, you know, where's your mind at? Hi, FK. Uh, my mind is, uh, I mean, I'm quite calm. I'm quite excited about what's up ahead. Uh, I obviously, like most people, didn't expect us to be kind of where we are um and what we've what we've done this season uh i thought if i'm honest end of last season i thought we were probably maybe four or five years still away from challenging or even playing at the level that liverpool and um man city play uh but our our development has been really really good and going back to kind of the start of the season when i was watching those pre-season friendlies that's when I thought, you know what, this could be a very special season. The way we were playing, what um, the players that we brought in, likes of Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, added to the squad. Uh, and then that first game on a Friday night away at Crystal Palace, uh, almost as if Sky had set us up for um, making the headlines as same old Arsenal, you know, crumbling, very first day defeat. Uh, but we we played so, so well that game. Everything worked. Uh Saliba looked incredible. And then we just kicked on from there. 
We did. And you know what? I reckon we're going to get Luton away uh, the first Friday night of this season, of this new season that's coming up. But you make a good point. I mean, the needle moves, right, throughout the season. All of us were expecting to, to maybe qualify for the Champions League. Or sorry, we all wanted us to qualify for the Champions League. We talked yesterday at length on our way to, to Nando's that actually, you know, we had different opinions on where we sort of lost it this season. Where, where do you think it went wrong for the benefit of our listeners? What, you know, what was a turning point for you, Wally, where you thought, yeah, you know, we should have done better and that's where we lost the title? I think this... I'm not sure about what we could have done better, but, I mean, there's two... There's two... Uh, points of the season where we where we effectively lost it. One was at Fulham when uh, William Saliba got injured. Uh, it's it's it was it's a completely different story if he doesn't get injured. For me, the the, the run in the way that the way the season finishes completely different. Uh, and the other thing part, as obviously we spoke about, was not beating um, Man City in any of the games. Um, and you know, as we were talking yesterday, you rarely ever win a title without beating your closest competition um it just so rarely happens and in the end we look at it it was a five point gap if we had beaten them just once uh most most notably if we'd beat them in that home game that's a six point swing three less for them three more for us and we win the league by a point um having said that it is quite remarkable that a team that finished eighth eighth and then fifth uh brought the the title race down to effectively just one game. Uh, and three times we played against them this season. None of those three times we played with our spine available. I'm talking about Ramsdale, Saliba, Gabriel, Partey, Jesus. That's the spine of the team. And in the three games that we played against them, none of in none of the games did, were we able to uh, uh, play, play, play those players. And that is probably one of the regrets uh, that, that we will have to live with because you think back and uh, wonder what if we had those players. Um, it could have been a very different game. Certainly, I think, I know everyone goes back to, oh, well, do you know what? This, we could have done this at Liverpool. Or we could have done that at West Ham. We went into the Liverpool game um, playing Rob Holding. There was the nervousness around him. There was a the nervousness at the back. Um, we hadn't quite figured out how to, how to completely accommodate for a player with his limitations. And, you know, with Sadiba, it's a completely different story because the players and the way the, the the opposition play, they don't get those chances, those spaces um, that, that they did in those games. Yeah, I, I, mate, I, I can't look beyond the William Saliba injury. I think for me, that was just the, ma- the biggest disappointment of the season, picking up an injury at such a pivotal time. And, you know, with him in the squad, irrespective of whether it would have been a difference at City or not, I think he would have guided us through certainly the games where we dropped our points towards the back end of the season. I think I do agree with you in that another regret is that we we never faced City with our strongest eleven. And listen, the game's about fine margins, right? You know, this juggernaut that City have created leave no room for error. You've got to take your chances when you can, and we just didn't manage to do that. As we look forward, Wally, it's going to be a summer of fine tuning. Wayne said earlier that it's easy to go from eighth to fifth, and fifth to second. Um, what are your thoughts on summer? I mean, everyone's going to name drops. I mean, tell us if there's a couple of players out there that you'd like. But position-wise, what do you think Arteta has to do? I think we need to bolster on the um, on, on on the midfield areas. Um, likeliness is that we're going to lose Shaka. Well, we need to. We're obviously linked to Declan Rice, which I think will probably happen. Um, I would love to for us to also sign Moises Caicedo, uh, if not someone of that. 
caliber that can cover multiple multiple positions as well. Uh, and uh, perhaps a, a striker that uh, provides a slightly different profile to Gabriel Jesus. But I will take issue with some of the stuff that you have been saying about Jesus. Do you know, this he is absolutely <laughs> incredible, right? This is a player that's come in and he has improved us by 30 whole goals, right? Okay, because he's, he's the only difference in that attacking lineup. Um, and I appreciate kind of we're used to seeing strikers like maybe the likes of Ian Wright. Even you look at kind of what City are doing, but that's a different story. Um, the reality is that we've got Martin Odegaard, who scored 15 goals. Gabriel Martinelli scored 15 goals. Saka scored 14 goals. Even Granite Xhaka scored seven goals this season. A total of 14 nine, goals and nine, assists. Nine. And, you know, these are numbers that you are not necessarily going to get with a profile that's more with a profile of a striker that's an out and out goal scorer, the likes of maybe Harry Kane, who are the focal point of the attack, who score you most of the goals while everyone else provides. I, I'm of, I'm generally of the opinion that we are better off having a team, a setup, a system where you have contributions from multiple uh, multiple sources. Gav, I think wants to come in on this. Gav, what do you want to say? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just really interested in in Wally's view on this one. Uh, so I've, I've been sort of reading and talking and blah, blah, blah about it. Uh, when it comes to Jesus up front, uh, if we got some... I mean, obviously, the difference between him and Eddie, they both, yeah, they're both basically the same sort of size. They've both got the same sort of skill attributes, obviously. Jesus is a lot greater than Eddie's, but they, they play a sort of similar way. Uh, if we brought in a, a six foot three lump uh, who stuck between the goalposts, that does actually that, that does actually mean us changing our formation for when they play. So I mean, would you prefer sort of like more of a, an upgrade or a player again like Jesus and like Eddie, or would you prefer that sort of well what they call the old fashioned Plan B, somebody to lump it up to. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, what we've seen this season is that we probably did miss that. Um, and I think this is the difference between wanting a striker that offers something a little bit different and wanting a replacement for Gabriel Jesus. Um, I don't think the system works unless you have a player like Gabriel Jesus. So if you look at Liverpool um, that season where both Salah and Mane uh, shared the uh, golden boot with uh, Aubameyang, the reason that these guys scored 60 goals between them two was because they had a facilitator like Firmino. And we need, without Gabriel Jesus, it just doesn't work. And it's also very, very difficult to find a striker who can do everything Gabriel Jesus does, but, but it's also a very, very clinical striker. The most closest that I could even think of from memory was Luis Suarez. Uh, he would he would score a lot of goals. He still wasn't a natural finisher. He struggled on one on ones, but he 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 could also do that facilitating role. Um, we we do need to find someone a bit different. Um, that is that is a finisher. I don't think Eddie and Jesus are similar. I think they've been made to play in a similar way because of the system we play. Uh, I think Eddie is more of a clinical striker, and we saw this when once Eddie came into the team. Martinelli stopped scoring, Shaka stopped scoring, and things weren't quite working out that way uh, because the link-up play wasn't there. He, as as much as I like Eddie, 
that's not his skill straight. He's more of a he's more of an out and out goal scorer. I think he's got he's got that finishing knack, and he's added a lot to his game. To be fair to him, but yeah, I agree with you, Gav. That we do need to find someone that can offer something different. Who that is is very very difficult because you look around um, among strikers who can offer something of that um, of that nature. I know a lot of people talk about Vlaovic, which I'm not too keen on. I don't I don't think he's as good as is made out. Um, but we do need, yeah, we absolutely need to find something that someone that offers us something a little bit different to what Jesus does. But didn't uh, Liverpool book somebody who was sort of a, a completely different, and he, he just fell on his arse and flopped, didn't he? <laughs> uh, the the other the other one, obviously, uh, like I say sorry, FK, I'm I'm bloody taken over here, when I? Uh, the player profile. Uh, and like I say, I mean, this really should go out to everybody who speaks today, especially when we talk about players coming in. Uh, are we still looking for that player between 21 and 25? Or should we be going for sort of like the more mature head who's, who's seen it, been here and done it, so to speak? Yeah, it's a good question, Gav. I think uh, I think it really depends on what's available. Um, I don't see why we should move away from this 21 to 25 uh, age range because it's worked for us. Uh, unless there's something exceptional that comes up or an opportunity that's there. I mean, Trossard, for example, this guy's coming. I mean, he's in the, he's, what, 28 years old, but he's got 10 assists for us in half a season. I mean, that is incredible numbers. Um, just, and when, when there's a player like that available, for the price that's available, you can't really look at age. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't see why we should move away from that 21, 20, 25 age range because there's so many advantages to it, to that mostly that the players within that kind of bracket are out there to prove themselves. Um, and if they don't, there's always resale value unless your name is Mikhail Mudrik, which uh, I have no idea what's going to happen with him. <laughs> Sitting around <laughs> taking a mick out of people at gyms is, the, is his highlight of the season. Uh, Gav, you're not taking over at all, mate. You're very welcome. And I was just uh, loading and unloading the washing machine and tumble dryer. Uh, you guys know the drill. Um, Wally, I can't leave you without asking you, as someone who's been to pretty much every home and away game this season, what's been your favourite moment in isolation? Um, lots of people have talked about Eddie Nketiah's last-minute winner against United. Obviously, Reese Nelson. I've got a feeling you're going to go for something different. In fact, I think I know what you're going to say, but talk us through your favourite moment. Uh... I think we spoke about this yesterday, but my favourite moment was uh, that uh, Jorginho goal against Aston Villa. Um, that I mean, the moment that went in, the absolute carnage at the away end. Um, there were seats broken because people were falling on top, um, ended up about 10 rows in front. And then the merciless mocking of Emmy Martinez uh, from that moment until the end. And it didn't end there because then he went up for a corner um, and you know managed to concede again. So he, he, that whole moment just got funnier and funnier. So there was that. There was the celebrations after full time at Spurs, um, which was really really good because remembering kind of where we were last season and our final whistle, how we felt to what we were doing. Our players were dancing on their pitch, um, stamped our authority on them. Uh, so th- 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 those two moments really, really stick out for me. 
I love that, Wally. Thank you so much for joining us throughout the season, Wally, and thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your call. Hundreds of you have tuned in. In fact, just over one and a half thousand of you have listened to today's show so far. We're just over halfway. Do request the mic. Come and have your say about Arsenal, the performance yesterday, uh, your season's thoughts overall, and what you would like us to do over the summer. Um, just before you do that, let's go to the message wall, uh, or the tweets, rather. Um, English fella, who is at Plummark2, says, For me, the match-going fan community has been huge. Atmosphere has been a real sense of belonging. The Arsenal spirit is back. Uh, Mike, who is at rmikeh10, says, Some fantastic contributions so far. I feel this season has been brilliant. So many highs to outweigh the lows. The cohesion in the squad, the club, the fan base melts my heart. And I feel connected to the club and fellow fans. Let's fo look forward to next season and push forward with our goals. Uh, Gav's in the chat at She War, just saying, rice, rice, baby. I don't think that's ever going to stop. Um, D Base at D Base underscore times five says, uh, Latte Firm, we need a DCL or a Mitrovic, just something different. Manage their minutes, 25, 30, 45 minutes a week across two competitions. I want to see Premier League players, ideally. Think we've got depth in our youngsters if we need to break them in. Here's a question for you, chaps. I was lucky enough to go to the Ask Blog, Ask Vision uh, live event at the Union Chapel the other night, and someone, I can't remember who it was, but they were asked, Harry Kane, if Daniel Levy forces him to see out his contract and stay there for a year, would you nab him on a free next year? Wayne, is that the sort of player that could do a job? <laughs> um, I don't really know how to answer this one. Do I answer as a from a football perspective or do I answer as an Arsenal fan? Because I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> how can't sweet would it be? But how sweet would it be to get a player that they idolise so much to come It would be amazing. I, just, I can't stand his face. I can't stand. I can't stand anything about it. He's just. He's. I just can't stand him. But I don't know if. And I don't know if I'll be able to stand him if he's as, as an Arsenal player. But if he came, that would be better. That would be better than Sol Campbell. Like honestly, and Sol Campbell was a big deal. But if Harry Kane came with a free, that would be insane. Look, obviously, a player of his quality, he'd, he'd come. You'd start him, and you'd probably win the league with Harry, if we had Harry Kane in this team. But. I, just, I I can't stand him, FK. I like this squad a lot. I like a lot of these players. I I don't want to go back to hating anyone. But if he came back to his boyhood no. club and no. won a trophy, no, imagine, no, no. You, not, were you the one, Gav, who mentioned we should get we should go away from the twenty-one to twenty-five window and get an established player? He would be what twenty-nine, thirty. I was I was asking that fella that you go with and sit with and sit in cars a, a perfectly valid question because I know he's got more intelligence than you, so it's pointless asking you that question. Uh, it was just purely a question for question's sake. No, no chance whatsoever. I go almost. I mean, as, I'd almost be fifty-fifty on not wanting to win a trophy, right, with him in their team, just because I want I want him to finish his whole career with winning nothing. We've winning absolutely nothing, and then he can sit there and mumble about how many penalties he scored against Malta and shit like that. No, do you know what I mean, and, or how many times he's won the Golden Boot whilst he's just played with a load of shit around him. No, no, there, there's no chance whatsoever. I'd want him anywhere absolutely near to him. Oh no, you think about infesting uh, a decent group of blokes? It's bad enough. Look. 
Ramsdale and Saka have to go away on England duty with that hideous person. No, no, tell no. Us you, tell us how you really feel, Gav. No, right, let... no, you should be disgusted about even answering. Not only should be disgusted about being in the room that that question's asked, you should be disgusted about repeating the question. Feel ashamed of yourself there. <laughs> right, let's move on swiftly to our next caller, who's going to be Mike. Welcome, Mike, to the post-season phone-in. Uh, how are you feeling today? What would you like to say? Hi, SK. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, my mind's kind of been like focused on transfers for a couple of weeks now, kind of ever since the title went. And it's something I always obsess over every summer, pretty much. Um, I would just like to... Uh, the, the whole Jesus debate, I think, is a really interesting one, because I was kind of having that debate with my brother. He's in love with the Jesus, and he thinks that he should be a starter for us. But I do think it would be beneficial if we could bring in a different profile, someone that's more clinical, someone that's going to kind of guarantee you 20 goals a season kind of thing. But who knows? Um, I like the profiles of someone like Ivan Tony or maybe even Ollie Watkins. Um, I think they could be good additions to the squad. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of the midfield, I think with Jack leaving, it kind of leaves room for us to bring in at least three. Because I would have said before him leaving, we needed two. Um, I'm just curious to know... Out of McAllister, Madison and Mount, what player people would rather go for out of those three? Because I definitely think there's room for us to bring like another eight creative kind of type to kind of um, ducktail with Odegaard in the other eight role. Um, but yeah, that's Mike, just... that is a great question. Uh, hang, on the, hang on the line there while we sort of get through some of that. So I think I agree with you. I think we, it, we, we do need a forward edition. It's going to be difficult, though, to get someone who can come in and score 20 goals and play Gabby Jesus. Maybe there's a need for rotation there. But midfield engine, you're absolutely right. Two, if not three. Um, but what a great question. In fact, it's so good uh, that I'm going to put the chaps on the spot first, only because I feel strongly about uh, this, this question. But out of those three that you've mentioned, James Madison, Mason Mount or Alexis McAllister. Wayne, if you had to pick one of those to be your sort of Number eight, attacking midfielder. Who you go for and why? Um, that's tough. That's tough because I don't really like any of them anymore. <laughs> I loved Madison. I loved Madison, but this season, like his kind of performances and dipping attitude, has really put me off him. But I'd probably still go with. I'd probably go with Madison of the three. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Mason Mount at all. I think he's very overrated. I just don't see it personally. And plus, I think the amount of money it will cost to get him from Chelsea and the amount of wage he'd be on, I just don't think it would be worth it. Um, McAllister, like McAllister's a weird one because you see it in glimpses, but like I still don't really know. What he's best at is he best as like that left eight? Is he best as a ten? And it looks like he's going to Liverpool as, as well anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how they line him up because he'd probably go in as um that left that left centre mid in in that midfield for for Liverpool. I think we were obviously linked to Madison before, and when we were linked to him, I was very very big on signing him. I think he's probably the of the three. I think he's probably the most consistent goal threat. I think he's got the best ball striking ability. So if you need someone to lash one from 25 yards, I trust Madison to do it the most of the three. And I think consistently over his time with Leicester, he's, he's scored a lot of goals. And he's finally kind of proved his fitness as well. So I think I'd pick Madison of the three, but it, just slightly, I think they're all kind of on an even, even playing field. And you... I, I'm just not a huge fan of any of them anymore. Gav, 
same question to you from Mike. Who would you go for out of those three? Uh, it's it's a tricky one. Uh, I'm actually really la- liking uh, McAllister at the moment. Uh, yeah, he's had his one great, great season for Brighton. But, I mean, I think it's something like 10 goals. Well, in fact, I know it is because I've just bloody checked. 10 goals and five assists this season for Brighton, uh, which is good going. But it's his will to win. I mean, obviously, he played a big part in the Argentinian side, didn't he, in the World Cup. Uh, And he was, like, heartbroken yesterday. You can generally see that he loves playing for Brighton and he loves his football. And I kind of like people like that. Do you know what I mean? He, he's showing that he's got the grit and the determination and the will to win. And he, he's got the human side. He's got the emotion side. Look, you know, even though he knows he's going to get a decent move, he's, he knows he's going to be well in the money next year. Uh, and that's not bothering him. What's bothering him is, is the fact that he knows that for Brighton to survive, he's going to, you know, have to be sold on. And yeah, I don't know. I, that was the only thing. I mean, I watched the whole of match of, match of the day for the first time all all year last night. And that's just purely what I took from it. I, I just took this, this this purely on a human level. And I think whoever signs him, I think he's going to have some player for the next five years. So just pure, just purely on his, on his attitude, uh, he would be the one I'd want. Yeah, Mike, to answer your question from my perspective, I, I don't rate Mason Mount at all. I think he's a very, very average footballer. I think he... Um, I want Chelsea. Mason Mount. I changed my answer. <laughs> I want Mason Mount. If that's FK's, I want Mason Mount. Yeah, Mason Mount for me, I mean, especially at the fees that they're sort of asking for. Nah, not for me at all. I don't care that he's best mates with Declan Rice, but... Um, yeah, not for me. Uh, James Madison, yeah, look, he has moments where he shows his brilliance. He is a great ball striker, like uh, Wayne said. Um, he has been part of a very, very terrible team this year at Leicester. We, know we, we can't sort of forget that, but I guess you could argue that he's contributed to that. So uh, for me, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I think he's going to end up at Newcastle. I think Newcastle are probably going to spunk a lot of money on him. And for me, it would be, yeah, McAllister. I think he's outstanding. I think he's a, he's a really, really good player. Um, as Gav says, very emotional, very humble, part of a World Cup winning squad. Um, I think in the right position he could uh, he could sort of come alive, but as someone has just said in the uh, tweets, Anthony Laconi, who is at Antman two three one one, he says surely we can't give up on Smith Rowe. By the way, he's dragged us through one of our most difficult times and started the new era with Saka and Martinelli. He's just come back from a serious operation. He needs next season, in my opinion. But Mike, to put the, to put the shoe on the other foot, who would you want to sign out of those three? And I guess leave us with your best moment of the season. Um, realistically, I don't think I can decide on one of those three. Um, I do think you guys are kind of discrediting Mount. I think he's a very technical and I think he's a very quality player. Um, I think I probably worry a little bit about um, whether Madison can play the eight role and how good he is off the ball. But one thing about Mason Mount is that his work rate off the ball is really, really good. And it's one thing that people don't kind of uh, credit him for. Um, I'd, I'd take any three of them, to be honest. I'm, I, I can't wait to have... Uh, an Arsenal midfield with two like good ball playing like eights again. We've we've been sitting with um, I I I think Jack has had an outstanding season, but I just feel like in the past he's kind of held us back a bit in terms of like possession play maybe like creativity final third kind of stuff. Um, and I just think having like an a, a mount in that role, I think he, you know, some of the positions that Jack has been finding himself in this season in front of goal, 
I feel like someone like a Mount would flourish uh, in front of it, as would McAllister and as would Madison. So I can't really choose between the three of them. Uh, my favourite moment this season, that's a tough one, you know. Um, probably Spurs away, I'd say. That that was a really, that felt really good. But then obviously the Reese Nelson goal was just unbelievable scenes. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on the post-season phone-in. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, do drop a follow on Latte Firm. It's the only place you can get these sort of post-match, post-season phone-ins on this platform. It's been immensely popular throughout the season. Like I said, hundreds of you have tuned in live today. Gav, you've got your hand up. What would you like to say? Yeah, no, I think it's unfair to leave Rice out of those three. I think it should be those three and Rice when talking about a number eight. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think, I think all of our hearts are set on Declan Rice. I think Ian Wright's spoken openly about uh, about how he would be the perfect addition to this squad. I think it's no um, it's no secret that that Mikel has you know spoken to Declan's family over over the last few weeks. You can read all the the social media sort of coverage about that. Terms apparently have been agreed. It's just about a fee with West Ham, but of course they've got bigger fish to fry at this current moment. Um, let's bring in our next speaker. It's going to be Matt. Matt Knight, welcome to the postseason phone-in on Latte Firm. Matt, what would you like to say? If you unmute yourself, Matt, bottom left corner. Uh, okay, I think, Matt, we're going to have to move on from you. Sorry, my man. If you want to have your say, come and re-request the mic. That would be great. Let's go to the US of A and head to our main man, El Boogie. El Boogie, welcome to the post-season phone-in here on Latte Firm. Um, how are you, big man? What would you like to say? Oh, you're joking. Hello? Are you there? Yeah. Hey, well, I'd, I'd, like there. To, I'd like to say we could all go Vegas. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just about to have a Morning, boys. Morning, everybody. <laughs> It's just about. It's good to have you on the show, El Boogie. The season's obviously now ended. We finished second. How are you feeling today in terms of reflecting on what what you what's sort of come and gone? And I guess lead us into the conversation about what you would like Arsenal to do this summer. Absolutely. Um, it's been an awesome season, um, FK. Uh, just uh, had time to reflect. Had time to to really think about what's going to happen next season. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I said um, on space. I said, if we don't have Zinchenko on the team, why can't we? Why can't we have somebody on the right hand side and play um, Ben White in the center? Uh, and lo and behold, the last two games of the season, Mikel tried it. I already saw it coming. I have enough faith in Mikel to be honest. He's very self-critical, and when you see people like that, it's just certain things about his mentality, about himself, that just gives me that confidence to say, you know what, if Pep said Arsenal pushed him to such an extent this season that he had to think about different ways to beat Arsenal, Mikel is someone that is like that. He's going to go away, have a good time with his family, and think about different things. I heard what people were saying about Mount, McAllister, and um, um, who's the other guy right uh, right now? Um, James Madison. Yeah, I honestly, out of all of them, I will say I'll, I really love McAllister because my point is, so from this season. 
you need players that can play multiple positions. McAllister, for me, will elevate, will do something different. From what I saw yesterday, um, ML Smith role came in for Odegaard. So there's probably been, you know what, I need you to play the 10 role. Next season, we're going to be competing in a league and competing in Champions League. Every three days, that is, we're not longer playing Sunday, Thursday. So that's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. That is going to be a lot. So when I'm thinking, why can't we go get Joshua Kimmich? Why can't we go get Rice? Why can't we go get Kaiseido? If I was Edu right now, I'll just go to Brighton and say, your price right now, Kaiseido and McAllister. Just plug those two, put that, they will elevate what we got. And I hear everything about TP5 and probably Jaka leaving as well. I'll 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 elevate both both of them. Honestly, if we want to compete and go to the next level, I'll take Rice, but I'll also take Joshua Kimmich. I'll also take McAllister. Definitely no Mount. Definitely no Madison. Because I want players who could who will play multiple positions. And we'll, we can all say right now, we have defense is not really. The problem, I'll say the right side, definitely not the left side because you've got Zinchenko, you've got Kivio, you've got Tierney. So let's say we covered on the left side. So the right side is probably a problem, but midfield is really the big problem. And then I want to go again and say, I wouldn't sign a, a white player. I'll go get, um, what's this guy's name? Uh, um, Villa. Uh, Oli Watkins. I'll go get Oli Watkins. Because for me, as much as I like Jesus, Jesus can play out left, out right. I'm not going to sign a wide player from what I see. Yesterday, I saw what Mikel was trying. So when um, Pateka goes into midfield, Jesus drops to the right, Saka went up top. So he's trying to be dynamic. He's trying to catch teams of God. So that's why I say I have enough faith in Mikel to say he's going to come up with something different uh, in preseason. Next season, everybody says, okay, this is how we expect Arsenal to play. No. Mikel is going to catch everybody of God. So I'll go get Oli Watkins. I'll go get an, a striker who's going to give us 25, 30 goals in the league and then I'll play Jesus on the right. It's just saying things that I've seen from this season, the last two seasons, actually. And hopefully, Tommy comes back fit. The biggest problem we had this season was losing Saliba and Tommy at the same time. Because I do not believe that if Tommy was fit and we lost Saliba, White will have gone in the center. Period. That's it. And we will probably have been fine. The defining moment of the season for me was West Ham. Penalty, Saka. 3-1, we won that game. It wasn't Liverpool game because the Liverpool game, we hung on. We did not manage that game well. When we went away to Newcastle, we we we, played, we we learned from our mistakes and we managed that game better. So it wasn't Liverpool for me. It was West Ham. My most memorable um, moment of the season, FK, uh, Gabby Martinelli against Della, running, open net, celebrating before scoring. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lovely lovely touch uh el boogie as it is, as always it's been a lovely touch to have you on the show as well look after yourself enjoy the summer 74 days now to the start of the new premier league season 
thank you so much for all of your contributions through to, through the show throughout the season. Love that. Um, Wayne, you've just shared a tweet about Granite Xhaka, 14 goal contributions in the Premier League. Seven goals, seven assists, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. Redemption complete. Um, you having a change of heart about Granite, Wayne? Would you, you know, would you like all the Arsenal fans were singing yesterday? Uh, keep Granite, we want you to stay. I wasn't part of that song, but I'm glad that you were at the top of <laughs> the top of your lungs for that. Yeah, I, mean, but, I, start, um... I started that song, ain't gonna lie. <laughs> hey, man, I just find it interesting that he came to us as a Champions League team. He led us to the Europa League, and the minute we're back in the Champions League, he's going to a team that's not in the Champions League. I feel like Granit Xhaka knows his level, FK, and maybe you should know yours too. Oh, where's Colleen? Well, we need Colleen to come in and co-host oh. the goddamn shows next season. Oh. Wait, that was that was that was deep. Oh. That hit me. You're cutting me deep, man. Cutting oh. me deep. Right, let's go to uh, Anthony. Our next caller, Anthony. Welcome to the postseason phone-in. What would you like to say about? Anything this season, yesterday, and your thoughts on the summer? Oh, good afternoon, lads. Hope you lot are well. Um, this season has been a mixture of, um, and I've had conversation with a lot of my colleagues in spaces um, in regards to this season, and you can look at it in two halves. The first half is the progression from where we finished last year to this year, there has been a significant improvement. So we can call that excess, you know, in terms of how we started, you know, going up to the World Cup and then kind of towards April. Um, so I'd say, yeah, there is, has been improvement there in regards to, you know, bringing Zinni in, bringing Jesus in that elevated the squads. You know, you could see when we lost against United, um, that game which we really and truly should have taken the lead and, you know, they all came out with our, that Martinelli's goal should have stand. That's neither here nor there. The resilience of when we came back um, and we won seven straight games until we played Liverpool. Um, so I can say, yes, the progression is there. However, it's the latter stages from April onwards, those t- last 10 games, where, yes, we lost Saliba. Tommy Asu, we capitulated. It's just like when we lost Jesus um, after the World Cup, everyone's saying our oh, Arsenal season's over. This is where Arsenal's going to capitulate. We did well up to... You know, that's certain point until Jesus came back. And once Saliba went injured and we brought in Rob Holding, yeah, we just started to capitulate. I think we only won two in the last, what, how many games? And the reason why I say you can look at this in two halves is because if he brought in Kivio before instead of Rob Holding, would we have won the league? Um, you know, that's my caveat there. Would we have won the league or would we have still come come second? Um, disappointment that we didn't win the league. You know, very disappointed. You know, that, you know, I think this was the perfect opportunity for us to win the league because Liverpool fell off. Chelsea, the amount of money that they spent, they fell off. And are we going to have this next season in regards to challenging City, you know, for the league again? 
let, let, let me let me come in and ask you a question on that, Anthony. By the way, I got to say you're you're so cool, calm, and collected, man. Like <laughs> you just relax. Like, are you in a spa or something? You're just like no, chilling. no. I'm just I'm totally just chilling. Just at, like... I'm, I'm just chilling at home in it. Just like, you fair know, enough, fair watch enough, much of the day, and I've just <laughs> I've had to just go back and just look at the season as a whole and say mm. I can look at it in two aspects of the season. No, no, I, 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 I appreciate that. The question that I've got for you, Anthony, though, is have you not seen enough in terms of what Mikel has done with this team, the blueprint, the plan, the strategy, like that, that gives you confidence that we will be back next season and that we are closer to City than any of our rivals? You see, here's, here's the thing. Um, I can say yes to a certain degree. But then I can also say no in regards to substitutions, um, rotation of the squad. Um, the Kaya Saka, as much as I love him, um, you know, he's been phenomenal. And when he got a contract, I was clapping my hands, I was singing his praises because he deserves it. You know, he has carried this Arsenal team on his back for the past three years and he deserves it. But he has had some poor games. Now, as a manager, you should rotate. You've got players on the bench. Like, you know, you've just offered Reese Nelson a four-year contract. My point is that when Saka had those dips in form, why didn't he, you know, bench him, bring on Reese Nelson? You know, let Nelson start Saka come off the bench. You know, let Saka just get his thoughts together, you know, say, you know, Reese is starting. I've got to do better. I know I can do better. I have to do better. I didn't see that from the manager. I know he changed um, Kivio with Rapolden, but it was too little too late. And he also took out Thomas Party for Jorginho, who did a somewhat of an okay job. But my thing is, can he... You know, we'll be fighting on four competitions. My worry is that the same mentality that we'll have of not substituting players like will Saka be playing the majority of the games, the Premier League, the Champions League and whatnot. You know, you've offered Reese Nelson a four-year contract. If he had any faith in Reese Nelson, Nelson would have benched Saka for the past couple of games where Saka had stinkers. He would have benched him, but he didn't. And that's my only fear with this manager that, yes, in one aspect... He has improved in regards to how the team has been playing. So, yes, I can see that it's inverted left by going forward. I can see in terms of the dynamics that he wants to play. But then I can also say, when it comes to making a substitution or dropping key players, he won't do that. You know, you, Saka is the primary example in terms of when I say, you know, one of our focal key players who's been carrying this team. Saka has been playing non-stop. He hasn't got a rest. He hasn't been benched. And, you know, given Nelson this contract, is he going to do that next season? You know, you've you've signed him up to a four-year deal. Are you going to say, okay, Saka needs to rest. I'm going to start Reese Nelson a couple of the league games. Is he going to do that? I'm not too sure. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a if, but maybe in regards to the manager in terms of rotation of players, you know, look at C. Even before C, you know, C didn't enough to kick a ball to win the league. But if you look at their bench, majority of their top players on was, you know, 
was on the bench. You're absolutely right, Anthony. You're absolutely right. I mean, the squad depth that City got, City have got is phenomenal, and Mikel Arteta has played this team, and in particular Bukayo Saka, I think into the ground. That's two seasons on the spin now that he's played every single Premier League game. Bukayo Saka, that is some going. Um, thank you, Anthony, for joining us on the post-season post-match phone. And we're going to pick up the energy a little bit now and sort of last, you know, home straight last couple of calls. Uh, let's go to Mike, who's been waiting very patiently. Mike, uh, Mr. Creme Brulee. How are you? How are you feeling today? Hi, FK. I'm I'm doing okay. Yourself? I'm not bad, man. I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a sort of spot of reflection, and I feel good. I feel good. I think we've we've got a lot to be encouraged about. Absolutely, I agree. And congratulations on your uh, feature in the BBC as well this week. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Go on, Mike. Um, what would you like to say? Uh, yeah, I was at the game yesterday. Um, I thought it was um, a good performance, and uh, you know the fans were were great yesterday. Um, I feel like over the course of the season, um, it's easy to look at, you know, the draw with West Ham and Southampton and uh, those games and say, you know, that's where we sort of lost it. Um, we lost our way a little bit, but you can even go a little bit further back to Southampton away, drawing there, um, losing to Everton away at the start of February and um, and getting robbed by that horrendous officiating mistake against um, Brentford at home. So it's, yeah, it's just one of those ones. I mean, I think like, I think the heart, I think most fans will agree that finishing second to this relentless city team is a, is a, is a good achievement. Most of my friends wrote us off for top four and uh, we've answered that. Those critics we've got, uh, we've achieved the goal, which I think was champions league but listen to what the other callers said about players coming in. Um, yeah, we've got to go for it this summer. We can't we can't be idle. Um, we've got to get our business done. Hopefully early. Um, pay the pay. Just pay what they. If if Rice is a hundred million, one hundred and twenty million, just pay it. Get it done because he's going to elevate us to a, a new level. Um, as far as like players coming in, I agree with what quite a lot of other people said. Um, Basically, um, Gav, you know, like uh, Declan Rice, I'd love to see him at Arsenal. Um, Caicedo, McAllister, I take either or both of them. Um, and I also quite like the left back at Brighton. Uh, I think his name's Estupinion. Yeah, right. um, yeah, I think he's. You know, I've, I've watched. I watched Brighton quite a lot. I've got got a couple of friends that are Brighton fans, and um, I think he's. Uh, I think he's a good. I think he could fit into our system pretty pretty nicely. Um, I think he's good on the ball. I think he's defensively he's quite good. I wouldn't mind seeing him come in. And um, I'm going to throw another name out there as a striker. Um, I'd like to see uh, Randall Colo Muani from Frankfurt. Um, French national um, player. I thought he had a decent World Cup when I watched him. And uh, he's banged in quite a few goals this season. He's 24. I think he's got 15 Bundesliga goals, 11 assists. And... Um, yeah, he's 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 a bit of a different profile. He's he's, he's taller. Um, yeah, and I, I quite like the look of him. So, but some yeah. some nice players there, Mike. I, I really appreciate your suggestions there. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it has been obviously a really enjoyable season. It's going to be a long summer. Lots of speculation about who we might get, who we might not. Uh, can you sort of leave us with your favourite moment of the season as a match goer? Oh blimey. Um... 
there's quite a few to choose from. Um, it's it's got to be um, it's got to be Spurs away. You know, going there and smashing them, and we played them off the park in that game. We should have had more, and uh, just the scenes at that at, at their gaff as well to go and roll them over like we did. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, that was probably one of the highlights for me. And also, what other callers have said, the last-minute Inketia winner against United. I can't stand that club. I cannot stand Man United. Um, so that was always, that was that was lovely. Um, but just looking forward to next season now, and um, get, you know, we just need to crack on, move forward with our goals, and um, and you know, seventy-four days, and we're back at the hopefully we're back at the carpet. Indeed. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. Really appreciate that. Great call as always. Thank you for uh, having the courage to request the mic and coming and coming and have your say. Uh, just Wayne and Gav, before we go to our final caller, in terms of Champions League football, that is obviously returning to the Emirates next season. How does that make you feel, Wayne? I mean, I can't wait to hear the sort of theme tune through the tannoy. I can't wait for the players to line up in the, the sort of floodlit arena. But what does it mean for Arsenal? Because we, we absolutely absolutely must be competing at Europe's top table. Oh, I think it's massive. It's the fact that we've been out of it for so long. Um, not only that, I think it's massive for us. I think it's massive now that when you look at who's qualified for Europe this season, we're the only London club in a European competition this year. And you can, I suppose you can include the South London Man United as another one if you want. But um Yes, yeah, it's, it's huge for us to be back in, back in Champions League to have, to have that anthem ring out around the Emirates, especially now with the way that the, the fan base and the way that the atmosphere is. I think it's just going to be that first game. I hope, I really hope that the first game in the group stage is at home because that will be mental. Yeah, that's going to be some night. Gav, Champions League football back at the Emirates. I mean, as Wayne's just said, only London club in the Champions League. Uh, how does that make you feel? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's where we should be. Uh, it's been a complete crime how the, the club's been run to the point where we you know, we weren't even competing to get into it. Or we spent all them years just aiming for fourth. And if we fell, we fell, as opposed to what we're doing now and actually aiming, you know, for yeah, you know, I mean for first. Uh it's you can feel that if the atmosphere uh from this season carries on, uh those midweek games are gonna be absolutely epic, uh atmosphere wise. Uh I mean I know like I say some of the the final ones I think was it the Milan game where we lost four nil what we lost four nil at theirs? And then we won the home leg 3-0. And I'm trying to think what, how long ago that was. That was probably about ooh, 10, 10 years ago. Don't you remember that game? I don't know. But it, it, the place was just going absolutely mental. And it, it's how it should be. It's how it's what everybody deserves who's been paying their season tickets and their memberships for the last years of watching what we've had to watch. It's, it, it's payback. And... I almost kind of hope that we get a big team out of pot one just so that we've got that big home night that's going to put Arsenal firmly back on the map, even more so if we win it. And we'll give everybody that big European away game uh, with 
plenty of tickets floating about. Uh, it's it's just what it is. You want to be in the big games. It's like what I've sort of said, been saying for years. You want to be involved in the big games at the end of the season. That's what gets your your blood flowing as a supporter. Uh, the dead of the rubber, dead rubber, sort of half a dozen games at the end of the season is is not what it's all about. Uh, luckily this year, you know, numbers wise. Uh, you know, we had something to play for up until literally our second or third from last games. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just where we want to be. It's just where we deserve to be, mate, isn't it? You're absolutely right, Gav. Um, I, I, I mean, as a match going fan, I can't wait for it. And, I, and and like you, I think it'd be great to get a big name at a pot one just for the spectacle. You know, to, to to have that feeling that we're back. Before we go to our final caller, just a couple of messages on the message wall. Uh, El Boogie who's just come on before, he's at, um, at Lanruzzi. He's just tweeted a thread from EBL, just talking about how next season hasn't even started and Arsenal are a far better team than uh, than last season. Have a look through that. AFC Since 95 says, finishing second to this City team is not an achievement. They finished on 89 points. We couldn't even push them to 90 points, question mark. It's failure. And only failure. Bottle the league just like we've bottled top four every season Arteta has been here. He then goes on to say that the fact that Arsenal have not been linked to Bellingham says it all. Not due to money, as we have money. Saka is on 300k a week. Lack of ambition that Arsenal are not in for Bellingham makes me sick. Fans think Rice is an improvement. Um, There's so many things wrong with that statement. Those statements that I don't even know where to start. Um... I appreciate the sentiment. I get you're frustrated, AFC since '95, but um, I mean, you, yeah, I don't know, don't really know what's going on there. Uh, right, let's go to the final quarter of today's show of this season, and it's going to be GX, the Gooner Express. I think you've been on once or twice before. Um, welcome to the postseason phone in. Uh, how are you feeling today? What would you like to say? And uh, lead us to the conversation about your favourite moment. GX, over to you. Yo, it's good, man. Uh, thank you, obviously, as as usual, for having me on. Um, I mean, yeah, like, this season for me um, has been a... It, I don't want to say it's like up and down, because it hasn't been up and down, but obviously uh, I was very heavy on that. I thought we were going to win the league, and then we didn't. Uh, but I said it, you know, that City game, um, I said if, if we don't win that game, I think the season's over. I think we finish second, then we move on. I haven't watched a single Arsenal game since that one. Um, mainly because I just don't have the time at the moment. But also, you know, I decided that for me, the season's over. Um, I didn't want to watch us anymore because, I'll be honest, the team sort of pissed me off with the, with the West Ham game, with the Southampton game, with the Liverpool game. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it. Like, the Nottingham Forest performance and Brighton, whatever else. However, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think the people saying that the season's a complete failure, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not at the end of the day. Like, I understand that the, the call of oh, our standard should be higher and this and that, but you also need to be realistic. We finished, what, fifth last season, right? I know we bottled it, but that's irrelevant. We, we finished fifth last season, you know, eighth the season before. So getting second place, whether you like it or not, is an improvement. So certain people are just, you know, there's both, there's both like extremes of both sides. Some people think that this is better than winning a trophy, which I disagree with. I'd rather win a trophy and finish fourth than finish second, but that's me. You know, some people can't be happy at all for some reason unless you win the Premier League. So, I think people just need to find the middle ground. And the middle ground for me is that the season is successful, 
it's a shame that we didn't win the league. But when you take into context that this is probably one of the best English league sides we have ever seen in Man City, if not the best ever, one of the best European sides ever, that are in a Champions League final and that can win the treble in literally a matter of weeks. We lost to them. We didn't lose to an average Liverpool side or to some injury-ridden Chelsea side. We lost to the best team of the last 20 years, arguably, since the Invincibles. So I'm not particularly like... At the end of the day, we knew we weren't going to compete with City at the start of the season. To compete with them for as long as we did is impressive to me because of how good they are. They, they literally swept Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and we competed with them for 93% of the season or whatever it is that, that the, the rival fans love to shove in our face. So I'm happy. While other rival teams are finishing 12th and you know 5th and not even getting in Europe, we competed with Man City for this long. And you might say, oh, you know, blah, 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 medals, this, medals, that. But I don't care, yeah, because I know we're going to improve on this. And if we don't, then that's when we have conversations of why. But I think we are going to improve. I think the players that you know we've been linked with and the players that the fans are talking about, Declan Rice, uh, Caicedo, obviously a few full-back full options and you know the odd striker here and there. I think if we go and get Rice, if you go and get Caicedo, obviously I think you'll probably sell a few players like a Tierney, whatever else. So you probably have to replace him. So a left-back, whether it's Fresneda or whoever. I think if you get them players, then I, I don't see why we can't compete again. Obviously, there's the Champions League. But I don't see where we can't, you know what I mean, get get round a 16 quarterfinal in that. And then obviously see where that goes. And yeah, like I, I just, for me, as I say, I, I'm annoyed at how it ended because I, I seriously do believe we still could have won it. I think if, if Saliba didn't get injured, we'd have won against West Ham. We'd have beaten Liverpool, beaten Southampton and then arguably won the league. But football happens, man. You know what I mean? Injuries happen and you've got, you got to recover from it. So, but in terms of my favourite moment this season, um, I mean, Saliba's debut for me is one of them. I've been so hot on Saliba for years. Like, since we signed him, I've been wanting him to play. Like, if, you've, if you know me on Twitter, like, I've been saying this guy is generational. And I mean it. When I say he's the Mbappe of centre-backs and this and that, I mean it. Like, I, I genuinely believe this guy is, is a different type of player. The aura that he has, the mentality that he has, the way he conducts himself is just different. It's, he's, he's a serious guy. Every time I watch him, he's just serious and he's on job. And watching him, watching his debut, watching him score that goal against, I think it was Bournemouth, for me was special because I've been I've been wanting this for so long. And the fact that he's now coming, we're second, you know, we finished second place. And let's be honest, him going out injured was one of the main catalysts why we didn't win the league. In a way, is is it's, it makes me happy because now people are beginning to realise how good he is. So. For me, my favourite moments are probably his debut and his and his first ever goal. Like I wish it sounds sad, but genuinely, like I love Saliba so much. Um, I'm just waiting for him to get number two so I can get his shirt because I don't want to get twelve and then, you know, what I mean, I have to buy a new one. But <laughs> but yeah, man, that's definitely my favourite moment this season. No, I appreciate that. Listen, GX, that's a great call as per. Thank you so much for joining the post match uh, phone in today, both season phone in today. Uh, Wayne Gav, that's a really nice way to sort of end the show. I mean, he's talked about how proud he is of Arsenal and the journey that we've been on and the fact that we have competed with this Manchester City juggernaut 93% of the of the sort of season, uh, going toe-to-toe with the team that is on the verge, on the cusp of a treble. Um, but when GX mentioned the fixtures that we've dropped points in, I mean, obviously, the, the Liverpool game, the West Ham game, the Southampton home game, Brighton at home, 
again. Uh, Nottingham Forest away. I mean, wow, 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 wow. What a really bad ending to the season. But we have an opportunity now in the summer. Like I said, 74 days now to go until the start of the new Premier League season. 17 days to go until the Premier League transfer window opens. Wayne, Gav, uh, let's go to you, Wayne, first. Closing thoughts. I mean, what a... And, and actually, just before we do that, I mean, may I just say thank you to everyone who has tuned in throughout the season. This is a relative... Well, it's not a new format anymore because we've been doing it for about six or seven months. I hope you've enjoyed all the discussions that we've had and everyone who's requested the mic and come on and had the sort of confidence to come on and talk and just express their views. It's a very safe space. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, for sharing the content week after week after week. Uh, it's really, really greatly appreciated. And if you're just joining now, uh, these post-match phone-ins, of course, are available on all reputable audio platforms. So uh, Apple, Spotify, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we're going to go and get some closing thoughts. So as I do that, uh, Wayne, let's come to you. Um, Closing thoughts on, I guess, the season, today's show, and just generally how you're sort of feeling. And as I say that, I can't actually see Wayne, nor can I see Gav. What the hell's going on? Um, I think I've lost both of them. Uh, I might have lost many of you as well. Maybe I'm just talking to myself uh, in, in my living room here uh, into the phone. Uh, well, look, I think we're just going to leave it there. Uh, thanks to everyone for, for joining today. If anybody wants to follow Gav, he is available at She War. He's got great Arsenal-related memorabilia on his website if you're looking for anything Arsenal-linked for any friends or family. Uh, Wayne, who's also disappeared. I, I have no idea what's going on. I can see Wally giggling and laughing in the background. Uh, Wayne is available at Wayne's World 20 underscore. Uh, he has his own gaming channel on Twitch, which is pretty cool. And he's also co-host of the Can You Believe It podcast, which is awesome with our good friend AFC Met. Um, that's it. We're going to leave it there. It's over for another season. We finished second. It was a good send-off, a great send-off for the team yesterday as Arsenal beat Wolves by five goals to nil. Mikel spoke about going away on holiday for two or three days before he visualises where and how Arsenal need to improve to take that next step next season. So enjoy the summer. There will be content, Late Night Latte on the YouTube channel today, probably in the evening. We will have lots more content throughout the summer, so make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. 